0: As time goes on,
1: I'll grow to miss it less than I will now. And I think I'm going to tell her that I'm going to go away for
0: a while. Till I can get this demon out.
2: It is 11 a.m. on a Wednesday morning time once again for Southern Pride's right here on your home for University of Alabama Athletics, Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryers, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peter Rook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. It is a Wednesday. It is a July Wednesday and that means it is a Gelato July Wednesday at Peterbrook Chocolatier. That's right. Each and every Wednesday. There's five of them, if we've told you, in the month of July this time around. You can go by Peterbrook Chocolatier. You're going to get a free scoop of that outstanding gelato there at Peterbrook. Free of charge. No purchase necessary. Just drop by, dip in, and get a dip. Get a scoop of that gelato free to you on Wednesdays in the month of July. And by the way, Peterbrook getting back to its normal store hours starting today as well. 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Had been on a 10 to 6 schedule, but extending that back out to 8 o'clock starting tonight. Joined on the program, as always, by the executive producer of the show, Mr. Joe Gaither. Together, we combined a form. The Sixty Minute Man, woo! A sports talk radio. Joe, how you doing on this hump day?
1: Having a great hump day. The weather outside looks great, and I'm happy to be here. How about
2: yourself, Travis? Well, you know what, Joe? We're gonna have football. We're gonna have live football in Birmingham in front of a crowd tonight. Did you know that? Well, uh, uh, it's sign soccer. me up. Yeah, it's actually soccer, but uh, interesting. The Birmingham Legion taking on Memphis tonight in USL action over in the Magic City. That game, that match, for it to be called a match, they'll get on to you, the soccer people, you know, if you start talking about games. The match, by the way, will air on ESPN2. Be interesting to see how that plays out. I'll tune in for a couple of minutes at least just to see how the setup is for a crowd uh, at a soccer game over there in Birmingham. You're also going to have a a crowd at uh, Bristol Motor Speedway tonight, the NASCAR All-Star Race, expecting... Uh, Up to 30,000 fans, they're going to limit the capacity there at Bristol Motor Speedway. It will be interesting to see how that plays out. And you know, of course, today we were supposed to hear from Nick Saban, head football coach, over in Atlanta at the 2020 SEC Media Days. That's not happening. Instead, though, Alabama fans did hear last night from Kendrick Blackshire, A four-star inside linebacker, Duncanville High School over there in the state of Texas. Blackshire, 6'2", 245 pounds, becomes the Crimson Tide's 12th commitment last night for the 2021 recruiting cycle. And as a matter of fact, let's check in right now with Hank South, recruiting analyst for BamaOnline.com. Hank was on hand for uh, Kendrick Blackshire's commitment on Tuesday night. Let's do that. Hank, what's going on? All right, Hank, let's talk about Alabama's 12th commitment for the 2021 recruiting cycle. A linebacker, four-star, 6'2", 245 pounds, Kendrick Blackshire. And I guess as much as anything, conversations we've had of late – both here and on the Built by Bama online podcast, Hank, is that this might come down to logistics, getting all that sorted out, and that seemed to come together as you were there for the uh, commitment ceremony on Tuesday
0: night. Yeah, you know, um, with, with, uh, with, with Kendrick, it was really important to him to have that video to, you know, give credit to, to every, everybody that's helped him along the way, including both his parents, you know, his, his, uh, his coaches, his mentors that have been, you know, coaching him since he was six years old, um, so that was really important to him. And, you know, that was, you know, a lot of people were, you know, when is Kendrick Blackshire going to commit? You know, we're, we've been waiting, like, when, when is he going to announce? And, you know, it was just important to him to have that video done right and have it to where, you know, he he could honor those people that, that meant a lot to him in his life. And then, and, and luckily, you know, we were able to get that done, um, this week and he was able to, to put it out to the world on, on Tuesday night.
2: So let's talk about Kendrick Blackshire, the player. I think it's very impressive that you consider, an ACL injury essentially cost him his junior season. So you're working off of sophomore tape. The camp season has been canceled around college football from the recruiting perspective. Kind of tells you about the impact this guy made a couple of years ago. And it's, look, it's not hard to sort of look at this guy physically and know that he's got that kind of ability to warrant the attention and the offers from the likes of Alabama, Oklahoma, and others.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, he was one of the uh, the first 2021 prospects to really uh kind of, you know, emerge and, and hit the recruiting scene um early on in his high school career. Obviously, you know, he was at Mesquite Horn, um a, a different high school than Duncanville um prior to his junior season and you know, those two years even even as a sophomore, um you know, he missed some time with a concussion, but you know, between those two seasons, his freshman and sophomore years, he racked up 180 tackles, um, you know, his film, you know, you, you turn it on and he does a little bit of everything from the linebacker position. You know, he can rush the passer. He's just a really physically imposing um, linebacker. Um, and like you said, 6'2", 245, you know, a lot of, I think a lot of the, you know, not concerned from, from anybody on Alabama's end, but just, you know, from a national perspective with people looking at him was, you know, how is he going to recover from this knee injury? Is he going to, you know, get out of shape? How, how is that going to impact him? As his development continues, and it really, you know, he, he he's back to 100 percent with his knee. I watched him work out. He didn't really look like he had any limitations outside of just wearing a knee brace. Um, you know, he he looks. You know, people thought he was going to gain weight. You know, get out of shape. He he, he looks like a pretty trim six two two forty five, um, and he he looks SEC ready right now prior to his senior season. So. Um, I don't think you know anything held him back outside of just missing that junior year and being able to put stuff on tape. Um, but you know he he looks ready to go, and it'll be it'll be fun to see what he does and what will be his first season actually playing for for Duncanville, which is a a state power in in uh, in Texas. What a run
2: it's been for Alabama on the recruiting trail with the linebacker position. The 2020 class, as we know, well documented, perhaps could proved to be one of the very best if not the best that we've seen under Nick Saban at the position and here we are carrying it over into the 2021 class. Uh, How much room do you think there is still for some linebackers uh, with this particular class?
0: Yeah you know I never want to just you know limit it to a a set number because you know there's always that kind of that category of too good to pass up on. You you take guys just because they're they want to come and then you know that elite player category that you know you know it's not going to pass up on even if you even if you've already kind of hit your your target number um, you know I think it's one to two uh, more linebackers obviously you know they have four committed already um, with Blackshire on on uh, Tuesday night then you got Dallas Turner Deontay Lawson um, and uh, and Ian Jackson from Prattville um, so. The, the four guys already in the class, you know, I think, you know, probably five, you know, maybe six. You, you look at guys still out there like Xavier Sori, uh, like a Jeremiah Williams, Keanu Coat out of Florida. So there's still guys out there um, The Bama is, um, you know, going to be after. It's just going to be a much more limited scope and, and, and fewer names to track as, you know, as we uh, hit the midway point in July.
2: So in terms of commitment watch and this Alabama class continues to grow here. In recent weeks, is it all eyes to the state of Georgia with Terrence Ferguson, the big offensive lineman, set to pop? Perhaps. And is that is that where you're looking next?
0: That you know, I, I think so. You know, the, uh, you know, a couple a couple weeks ago, Tim Watts, our publisher, at BOL, um, you know, made note that, you know, at least one person thought Bama was in good shape. For um, Terrence Ferguson ahead of, um, you know, he hadn't had a decision date set at that point. But just at this point in the process between Alabama and Georgia, Bama was uh, trending, and that looks to have carried over to this week now with him um, setting his commitment date for Sunday. I think, you know, as far as set dates, that's the uh, that's the one to watch closest going forward. Obviously, we're kind of in this momentous July right now where we see things kind of happen suddenly. Last week, we saw Kadarius Callaway decide to just. Um, flip his commitment on on a Wednesday night um, So anything could happen But I, I think TJ Ferguson is the one to watch closest
2: Yeah, a little random During this uh, virtual cycle That we're going through uh, With this time around And uh, Damon Payne The five-star defensive lineman from Michigan I think is set one week from Sunday As it sits right now To, to announce a commitment So Alabama fans You're going to want to keep it locked To Hank South, Tim Watts, the rest of the crew there at BamaOnline.com. Hey, Hank, always appreciate you taking the time. No
0: problem. Thanks for having me, Travis.
2: Thanks, Hank. There you you go, Hank South helping us out, breaking down the commitment last night of Kendrick Blackshire to the University of Alabama. Uh, And Hank South was front and center right there, kind of a part of the ceremony itself. And for all the details from Hank uh, and the rest of the recruiting staff at BamaOnline.com. Just go to B-O-L. You can pick up all that right now. Uh, We had a poll question, by the way, we wanted to throw out there today on the program. It's already on the personal Twitter account, at Travis Reier, T-R-A-V-I-S-R-E-I-E-R. I want to get Joe Gaither's thoughts on this as well. Which level of football, in your opinion, is least likely to be played this fall? You got high school football, college football, and the NFL. Well, the poll right now, as it sits with 384 votes in, high school football at 51 percent, the pick among those uh, options in terms of football that will is least likely to be played this fall. College football next at 36 percent, the NFL at just 12 and a half. Interesting. I thought college football would be the choice here to this point. So far, it's high school football. You know, I say I think high school football, once you get past the NFL, I think we all agree the NFL most likely to play this fall. It's professional pay-for-play football. Now, you still have some potential obstacles Even with the NFL, just look at how the situation with MLB played out between the owners and the Players Association in Major League Baseball and uh, all the snags they hit before we finally got to a 60-game regular season and expanded playoffs. Could be some of those same issues with the NFL and its Players Association, its players union, we'll see. Now, The problem with college football is – First of all, you need multiple states working in concert together to pull off even a conference only schedule. You know, with high school football, you're talking about individual states. So just because you might now have, uh, you might not have football and sports in one state in the fall, it doesn't mean you won't have it in another. So in some form or fashion, with that thought in mind, it's not all that difficult to imagine high school football being played somewhere in the United States this fall. A governing body, certainly on the state level, uh, that that provides some coverage uh, to those entities like the AHSAA. You know, if the state government which apparently Governor Kay Ivey, by the way, just announced that masks are pretty much mandatory everywhere. At least that's the way I perceived uh, her comments just a few moments ago. Uh, you, you've got some coverage from your, from your state government if you're an AHSAA or a GHSAA or the FHSAA down in the state of Florida, especially if you've got on-campus learning taking place. You know, and as we talked about a few weeks ago here on the program, there isn't really the watchdog presence of the media at the high school level like there once was. So it's easier for high school sports to sort of fly positive cases, which we understand there are fewer positive cases based on the demographic, the age group of high school student athletes compared to other areas, other demographics. And by the way, I thought it was interesting to note that the state of South Carolina today is set to vote. The SCHL, the South Carolina High School League, is set to vote on moving football on the high school level in that state to the spring and perhaps taking spring sports like baseball and softball and putting them in the fall. Just sort of flipping the whole thing with the calendar. Now, the state of Virginia uh, this morning, its governing body for high school athletics announced that there will not be football in the fall for Virginia high schools. Now, there's the possibility still of playing through the winter months or perhaps playing in the spring. But when you look at states like Georgia and Alabama right now, doesn't seem to be much back down, not to this point. In fact, you've got Hoover And Lowndes set to meet in the Corky Kell Classic over in the Atlanta area coming up next month. And they have moved the venue for that game. It was recently announced they're going to play at a, a stadium in Gwinnett County now. But the plan is still very much to play football in Alabama and Georgia this fall, it seems. I know things can change. Everything's tentative right now. But that would be a, a heck of a football game. Lowndes, Lowndes County, by the way, that's another one of the programs in Valdosta. You've got the historic program in Valdosta High, which recently hired Rush Propst as its new football coach. And then Jamie Dubos, previously of Prattville and Central Phoenix City, he is going into his first season over at Lowndes. How about that for a one-two punch of high school coaches in Valdosta, Georgia, and Eddie? You got Rush across town at Valdosta High, and you got Jamie Dubose now at Lounge. Well, you got a matchup of Hoover and Lounge set for the Quirky Kell Classic next month there in the Gwinnett County area of metropolitan Atlanta. And the thing with college football is you have presidents and chancellors who are very much concerned about the optics if they sign off on something. That there is, at least from a perception standpoint, a high level of concern where test rates for the coronavirus, for COVID-19 is concerned. In other words, there is more concern as to how it looks among academicians at the college level than there probably is in high school sports. You know, as for the NFL, as long as, again, the state levels aren't in just total lockdown mode, essential status seems to be pretty much a given. Again, Florida has been on the leading edge of that. Georgia has been on the leading edge of that. We've now seen where states like New York and New Jersey have fallen into line. And again, as long as the NFLPA signs off on it, you know the owners are going to be totally fine with playing football. We're going to talk with Cecil Hurt of the Tuscaloosa News and TideSports.com coming up next. These are some of the topics we'll get into with Cecil. Is there some optimism? What are reasons for optimism when considering a college football season in the coming months? Why well, Cecil about that? And could the SEC could the SEC be a bus league in football? If in fact football is played from September through November in the Southeastern Conference, we'll ask Cecil about that as well. More of Southern Fried Sports coming up on a Wednesday, presented by Peterbrook Chocolatier. Right after this. A Sizzling hot afternoon. The sky partly to mostly sunny. A small chance of a shower or storm through the evening hours. The high today, 98. The low tonight, 74. Tomorrow, morning
0: sunshine. A few isolated afternoon storms are possible. The high, 97. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com. Or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide.
2: Ronstadt. There you go. That's your playlist theme of the day here on Southern Fried Sports presented by Peter Brook Here, Travis Schreier, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. I think our next guest knows a thing or two about that catalog of Linda Ronstadt. What about it, Cecil? Linda Ronstadt, 74 years old today. On the first of every, I think on the first of every month, Warren Thievon
1: went out to the mailbox, and there was a royalty check from four people yeah. to me. And, uh, he probably cashed it down at the liquor store and, uh, for the rest of his life. And, yeah, you know, I don't even think Warren
2: had to sign the back of those checks at
1: that liquor No, store. I don't. They, know, probably, the, they probably didn't <laughs> want to um, You know, because back in the 70s. You know, if you were on a Ronstadt album, she was making money for everybody because they were selling millions of albums, Eagles, Jackson Brown, Linda Ronstadt. That's when, that's when times were good. And if you wrote those songs, which Warren certainly uh, wrote his share, um, that was pretty comfortable living. Willie, Willie Nelson's still cashing that uh, Patsy Klein royalty check every month, oh. too. I'll promise
2: you that. Absolutely, so, but, but no doubt about it. To, to
1: Linda Ronstadt, I think she's had a, a, I think Will
2: very, Whitecast very, very good career,
1: a great no. career. Um, I, I, when she was in the seventies, mm-hmm. she she has such a powerful voice, such a great, on-tune, on pitch, wide-range voice, um. She could sing anything. Now, some of the some of the covers that she did, she just kind of powered her way right through. You know, she was not the she was not the most nuanced singer in the world, but she's developed that. Those trio albums with Dolly and Emmylou, those are great. Um, and she can sing anything. You know, she can sing uh, Tex-Mex or Mexican Tejano. Um, She can sing opera. She can sing show tunes. You know, she did. A, Showtunes collection, and the documentary on her um, is really good, and shows that that she's also very independent and you know very conscientious about what she did in a world you know California in the seventies where temptation it wasn't it wasn't just you know you you couldn't just find temptation you you had to run to get away from it and. So I always like Linda Ronstadt. I would listen to some Linda Ronstadt from time to time.
2: Makes you feel better, you know. And uh, certainly that's can, uh, what we could, hey, we could all you, use you, right now. You boil it down to the bases. you go all the way back to the to the
1: Stone Ponies. Now she gets the same. She, she's got a voice the, that was going to carry her a long way, no matter what.
2: Yeah, maybe even when the subject wasn't exactly positive, uh, uplifting, I would say, uh, Linda Ronstadt in uh, many, many ways. And speaking of which, we need a
1: yeah, she, we she, need an uplift she, like right I, now. Yeah, she made she the last thing I'll say, she made a lot of money for a lot of songwriters. Warren, the yep. um, a lot of people that you wouldn't have heard of. I mean she covered Neil Young too. She's doing Love is a Rose, but Neil didn't need the money, but some of those people did so
2: um, yes on to sport um, I'm, yeah I'm, speaking of people who need some money Cecil let's talk uh, college athletics. well that that's what it's going to come down to
1: Travis and I'm I'm gonna try and be positive I don't want anybody you know, having their feelings hurt or being feeling like they're being told what they have to do but um, the numbers today aren't great um, in Alabama by any Stretch of the imagination, Governor Ivy, who, uh, and, and believe me, the same can be said for me at, just, at my age. She's not a quick twitch governor. You know, she's not going to play corner for anybody. Takes her time to, you know, get coiled and, and strike. But, uh, she did announce the statewide mask order, um, 30 minutes or so ago, uh, that goes into effect, I guess, tomorrow later today or tomorrow, maybe. Um, I'll have to go back and reread the story. But she has announced a statewide mandatory masking. Uh, I think the football <laughs> <finally> <laughs> scared everybody enough. Because it's been, it's been, you know, masking has gone up in Tuscaloosa um, in the last couple of weeks, I think. Um, so whether that's too, not soon enough, whether it's too late to, to affect the numbers, we'll see. But I think what's keeping the discussion going now and what if you're, if you're whatever you want to call it, if you're an optimist or if you're, yeah, I'm not going to politicize this, but if you really are holding out hope for some sort of fairly normal college football season, it's the money tree theory, which is if there's a bag of money at the top of the tree, somebody will find a way to climb the tree. And that's what we got. You know, the if if we were just talking about, I, I don't want to um, belittle in sports. Threat. If we were talking about ping pong, college ping pong, uh, they'd be done already. They, there wouldn't be a second thought
2: to having a season.
1: But football was
2: a lot of money. So that essentially constitutes the optimism that we have right now, in your opinion.
1: Yeah, that's that, and I don't want to make it sound too um, cold-blooded. You know, it's all about grabbing the cash. But um, people that's why people are trying at, at several conference levels, not just the SEC, at every level, including, including the Big Ten and the Pac-12, who have not canceled their season. Now they've gone to conference only and canceled some games. Uh, but they want to keep that contract viable and valid and want to want to collect. And, and again, I don't I don't think it's going to be a live a, a bonanza of live ticketing money. Um, but I think it's uh, I think that is the reason and it's an understandable reason. I'm not again, I'm not um, preaching socialism here. It's an understandable reason um, that, that athletic departments desperately need that revenue and they're so, so some very smart people are working on every possible plan. that can make that happen. If there were, but if there were no bag of money at the top of the
2: tree and it was ping pong, we, it'd be done. It'd be done by now. Yeah. I've referred to it for a few weeks now as pretty much a content year for college athletics at this point for the rest of 2020. Yeah. You would like to determine, Champions in the respective sports, but when you talk about the cash cow that is college football, see, so it's about delivering content to rights holders and, in turn, being compensated for that. Is that is that too simplistic? It, it, no, to, to not think of all. it that way. Not at all. Um, I don't know what the final situation is
1: going to be with with um, live audience ticket sales. Although you know there's there's a structure in place at places like Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, LSU, Auburn, Georgia, that you know, to maintain your position even for the 2021 season, you're going to have to make. A, is it a voluntary donation, Trust? I
2: think it's mandatory. It's Tide Pride, I know does the uh, uh, does the donation, and then you buy the tickets after that. I'm not exactly yeah. sure what the Protocol
1: right I, now for the, those funds. Know, the, the tickets may or may may or may not be there to be bought, uh, but I don't think the donations going to go away. I mean, you can right. opt out, but I think most people or many people. If, if they can do it economically, they're going to hang on for a year. And, you know, pull pull for what they can get this year and for twenty twenty one to be back to normal. So. Um, okay. Yeah, that's, that's where I think it, it stands. And, and again, I'm, I'm hopeful that they can find a solution. I'm not sure that solution includes starting on September 5th. I'm not sure what that solution is going to be, but I hope they find one. Um, I am an, I'm not a spring football advocate, by the way. Yeah. Too many, too many
2: games. Too many games. And, and the one thing it would do, it would level. I mean, the are the are the are the optics any better to pile a spring season right behind a fall season? If you are these know. presidents and chancellors so these universities, I, what I what kind know. of optics are know. those to start with? Well, you know, the Ivy League is doing it, but that's a different situation.
1: Um, but how how many guys, serious, off of LSU, Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State are going to walk instead of playing the spring schedule. I would guess 10 or 15 of your best players. So.
2: I don't think that's unreasonable. The only only thing that gives me cause with maybe going beyond those type of numbers is that the expectation sort of going into the Citrus Bowl was that Alabama might have this kind of mass yeah. exodus. Uh, but, you know, yeah, that's a one-game one one, scenario. One game that's a one-game scenario compared to a season. That's where. That's where – we Get into the differences. I under I get that.
1: And yeah. and the other element of
2: spring is then do you turn around and start playing again in August? Yeah.
1: You wrap up in April, and, and even for your underclass, even for your freshmen, do they play twelve in the spring and turn around and play fifteen starting in August? Um, you're going to have some some um, health CTE advocates. They're going to be very strongly opposed to that, and probably should. Be. That's a lot of that's a lot of games. So I don't know that that is going to materialize. So I, I, I tend to think it's, it's fall or twenty twenty
2: one. But again, money tree find a way to climb it. So. kind of an interesting update from the Fort Worth Star Telegram here in the last couple of days, Cecil, in which uh, it was reported that TCU remains in contact with Alabama, Texas A and M, BYU. And Liberty regarding potential matchups for the upcoming season. Um, does that sound realistic to you at this point, or is this simply <laughs> a case of some good AD work, really, because you don't really know what's going to happen here in the next couple of weeks?
1: Sure. You, I'm, I'm not going to speak for Greg Byrne, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if they'd had conversations with TCU. Um, I don't know that that's the only option that's being discussed. I, it, I would, in fact, say that's not the only option that's being discussed. Uh, but that's one option that's being discussed, because they they also had a Pac-12 game that was dropped, so they slot right in. Um, all of that, for instance, if they're talking to Texas A&M, well, then what's going on is that the, the league is trying to find a conference game plus one model, or, a, you know, more Plus two model, I don't know, a, a conference plus model to preserve those SEC ACC games. Florida yep. State—that's that's, that's what's going on there. And, and you know, the Big Twelve would be the a logical parent for, for. First of all, Texas and Texas—they I mean, if it comes to it, they should just play. Just fix the schedule, put them on Thanksgiving, and let them play. You know, and or. <laughs> Yeah, you know, even if they don't want to play, have them play because everybody wants to see it. But um, yeah, you know the Big Twelve would be a because they only have nine conference games. Um, they would be a if the SEC then went to nine conference games and okay, some were ACC games. You know, then had a plus one on some ACC games. Then the Big Twelve would be a pretty logical alternative, as would BYU. Um, but the Big Twelve, you know Alabama. And <laughs> the we could we could settle the Independence Bowl field goal contest, you know, and we <Alabama laughs> could play Iowa
2: State. Yeah, you know, the Cyclone. I think Al- I think Alabama owes Iowa State after that win over Oklahoma State, you know, back in two thousand eleven. Anyway, should should honor them with that game. Yeah, the other
1: thing though is if you're looking to fill that actual September fifth date. I'm going to assume Alabama Alabama has to play somewhere other than Tuscaloosa anyway. The stadium's not going to be finished. Although, if you're only putting ten thousand people in the stadium,
2: maybe that doesn't make a
1: difference. <laughs>
2: play at Central, you know?
1: yeah. Yeah, um, I don't think they'll do that. But, you know, no, might have, no. You might have to put the tarp over some of the unfinished skybox. So um, again, that's that's all got to be worked out. And all of a sudden, here we are. Um, with two weeks to work it out because um, you know optimism was the was the rule of the day and up till around up around memorial day so. um, and everybody was cooperating and everybody was going to open up and everything was good and nobody had to wear a mask and, um, everybody cooperated travis except <laughs> everybody they except not, everybody they could not yeah. get the
2: virus on board with the plan <laughs> that virus is uncoachable it's not a good teammate the virus that COVID-19 no. Cecil
1: absolutely disruptive in the lockover. <laughs> tried it's to indefinitely of, suspend the virus the Cecil didn't it didn't <laughs> work
2: yeah. yep oh, can't no. call his parents you know can't, yeah can't. come pick it up yeah Send yeah. it over to East Mississippi Community College.
1: That's right. <laughs> Actually, that might be part of the plan. Buddy, Buddy yeah. would have something for that virus. Yeah. Buddy Stevens would I'm have sure. something for that
2: virus over in Scuba.
1: You know? I'm sure. He's he's probably so, he's dealt with yeah. worse but worse at last chance than you. I'm sure. Yeah, so, yeah. The, I don't. You, I don't think
2: that. I don't think even the virus can find Scuba Tech. Maybe Cecil. I don't, uh, I don't know if it can. He, uh, it's it found most places. So. Yeah, unfortunately. Unfortunately, I that is the case. That, now, now, so just because Alabama SC is off for September the 5th, does that mean Alabama's off for Jerry World on September the 5th? Or is there still the potential yet. for Alabama to go over there?
1: Not yet. Now, again, you, first of all, you'd still be dealing with what the state of Texas wanted to do. And, you know, so that's an independent player in this equation. But I don't know that they wouldn't let TCU play, or, using the random example of TCU. Um, I don't know that they wouldn't let him play in, in Jerry's state. Part of that is up to Jerry. You know, yeah, because apparently the Cowboys
2: help. are still waiting, right, to see what Alabama yeah, wants to do. Yeah, my assumption is that date is clear. Or or yeah. even if it's not,
1: they could Saturday-Sunday if they had to, oh um, sure, yeah. Although you'd have to do some pretty high-powered scrubbing, I think, in between. But um, you know, so no, I wouldn't say that that's completely off the board. Um, I would, I would say Travis probably at this point there's 12, 15 options that are all being considered um, from the nuclear mm-hmm. option, you know, to which is not having it to every possible permutation. And people just have to consider to there's so much conversation. So I just pick out point one and I've heard this one a lot and I heard yes, it's important to protect players. But this whole decision isn't about whether you can keep 85 players safe on each side. You know, that's part of it. They need to be tested. They're very important part of the equation. But it's also, what sort of event are you going to be able to stage, and what's going on in your community, and what's your hospital capacity, what's your ICU capacity, all those things come into it more than just, well, these guys are 21 years old, and they'll be fine. you know, which... You know, you can make that argument, but it's, it's certainly about them, but it's not just about them.
2: You talk about that and you understand that football doesn't have the benefit of being a bubble environment. That starts even with, as you're saying, logistically, you know, getting teams to and from venues and travel. Is yeah. it possible if the SEC is able to pull this thing off this season is maybe more of a conference only schedule? Is is the SEC potentially going to be a bus league in football this year or how do you see that playing out, Cecil? Well, there goes your Florida Missouri game. <laughs> yeah, you're not making that bus trip, are you, Travis? Oof, no. No, you're right. That's a uh, that's where Missouri's place in the East becomes a, a bit of a uh, a conundrum there. When you have, yeah, it out there. It
1: does a little bit. And I've heard one of the many many
2: dozens of options I've heard is the
1: scrapping of the traditional divisions and an adoption of a geographic pod yeah. system um, where where you you've got um, say. Three pods, two of which have five teams, one of which have four, and you know you work it out that way. And you're playing, you know, one one pod hypothetically would be Missouri, Texas A&M, Arkansas, LSU. You know, another pod would be Alabama, Auburn, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, maybe Vanderbilt, or or you know, however however you could structure them, and that you'd play. Twice within that pot, you know that you would play, Alabama and Auburn would play home and all home and home would play home. And yeah, home. Um, that one, you know, I, I don't think that's the likeliest scenario, but I've heard that one. Um, I don't know how you. Uh, I, I. It's hard to have a balanced schedule in that way, and pick your two teams if you continue to have a championship game. Um. But now some things, they're going to be, as you say, um, and you're correct, some of the things that happen this year, no matter what, there's going to be an asterisk attached. And so some of the things that are done are just going to have to be done, and people are going to have to sort of say, well, that's not, we have never done it that way, and you're just going to have to say 2020. I mean, you're just going to have yeah. to say, it's 2020. Yeah, that's all 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 you should have to say. That's it. Yeah, that's that's why we did it that way. You know, nobody's saying, and this is the best. Nobody's saying, well, we'll we'll handle this, and not only that, we'll do it in a way that's gonna make everybody happy. Um, you know, so so it's a year with an asterisk. There's that's already certain.
2: Yeah, you're just trying to deliver content. That's all you're. Yeah. that's yeah. that's all you're he, really trying he, to do right
1: now. Continuity. I believe in cultural and historic continuity. I do. Sure, um, it's important. You know, I think it's important to have a national champion or a, a conference champion. Now, again, what are the logistics for bowl games? I don't know. I don't have any yeah. idea. You know I, what? Well, I, I'm still, you know, from from March, and you know, I've been an advocate of conference only or conference plus one and a expanded playoff because you have the availability to eight six or eight because you have campus site availability um, and if your dates change it all you know then you don't worry about your semifinal sites and you you probably try and keep the the championship game in Miami if you possibly can but um, you know that's that's again. they are a ton of logistics. How are they gonna have the rose parade? I mean, I don't know what it's gonna be like in January, but if it's like it is today, how are they gonna have the rose parade? If you don't Cecil, have a rose parade, you have the rose bowl.
2: Yeah, Cecil. Um, between high school football, college football, and the NFL. We're going to have football in some form or fashion this fall, aren't we? Somebody's, I mean, somebody's going to line up. And somebody's going to play some play. football. Somebody's going to go 11
1: <laughs> Like I say, because there's money in the tree, yeah. and you got to go get the money. High
0: you school's know, you're
1: a little f- more management. I don't know all the ramifications of playing a high school schedule in the spring, but you don't have the issue of guys, unless they're. Um, Mm -hmm. the very the fairly rare Division one player who signs in December and goes on to his college campus and doesn't want to play a spring high school season that could happen, but but you're talking you're not talking about ten or twelve guys on a team doing that. Ing maybe, but not where else. Um, Not in Alabama, you know. Even even the big time, you know. Kewitt-Trustles or wherever. I mean, they, they might have a couple of guys go, you know. Pennsylvania might lose Kool-Aid that way, but but you can still have a And you aren't talking about quite as many games. That you're, You doing have a nine-game season. And um, so you're not piling quite as many games into the calendar year. You could have a nine-game season again in the fall. Um, and so that's plenty of games, but it's not... Not quite the same bird, so um, I think that I think the high schools will find some way to, to play. Um, and again, I, I don't know all of their ramifications, and I certainly don't know if schools are going to be open. Now, that's going to be the other thing. It, it, it sounds like the, the push is to reopen schools, but um, yeah, we're in wait and see mode on that as well.
2: Yeah, with high school football, not as many moving pieces either to figure out. With a conference, no, and you've you, got, yeah, one you've one, got the like states you said, that you've too. got to deal with first and foremost. You've got multiple state-level yeah. uh, situations involved. And I'll say this. I've said it about high school football. We don't, We don't put our energy and focus, or we can't at least probably as much as anything in the media anymore, as we do as a sort of watchdog. For high school athletics, we don't know, you know, how many cases, how many positives. Every day on Twitter, you get an update on tes- uh, positive tests at Power Five programs and athletic departments. We don't, we don't have that capability uh, in the media to do that, at least where high schools are concerned.
1: No, nobody, nobody does.
2: Um, on the
1: one other thing, though, that you did mention, now high school, you do play a bus. You know, yeah, nobody's spending the night anywhere. I mean, if, if you've got one of those games where you can't do it, then then probably reschedule that game. Um, I don't know if, if you know Hoover's playing it. it um, IMG or, or
2: they're they're or they're opening against Lounge over in the Atlanta yeah. in the Atlanta area next month. Yeah, that's a bus trip though, right? Hoover. Is, yeah. Huh. Oh yeah, that's that's an easy trip.
1: Yeah, so you, so you are on a
2: bus schedule at least. You don't have to. Right. You're not
1: going to the hotel, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, and if you do have, like I said, you might have, I mean, hypothetically, if you had Grissom playing Daphne, then yeah, that one probably just comes on the schedule. You don't mess with that. So. Um, so that part of it is yes, that's logistically easier.
2: And the numbers sort of tell us that the uh, the infection rate at that age, too, with, with high school kids, not what it is uh, with other age groups, although you still have the potential for asymptomatic, you probably, in high school football, are going to be more worried about the coaches and support staff and teachers and folks like that,
1: that than that you are. Up, you know, that would be yeah. my- Make a mask, make a test before they go out there and make a mask up. Just, I'm talking about the coaches. Um, yeah. In particular.
2: And, so in and order and, of likely to least likely, Cecil, how would you rank the NFL college football and high school football? From NFL, most likely to play to, play to NFL, least likely. NFL, because NFL is a private business.
1: Um, then high school, then college. And that, again, yeah, that's, that's the way I have no college. No. Uh, but in answer to your question, NFL high school
2: college. Yeah. Yeah, we're on we're on uh we're on par there. You know, because again, you've got these individual governing bodies in each state that are gonna make the determinations. You know, it's not gonna be a big sweeping decision that's made in relation to high school football. So as we talked about earlier, somewhere in the United States of America There is going to be some high school football somewhere. Oh, yeah, no question. Yeah.
1: Yeah,
2: again, different states have different numbers, but
1: um, yeah, if you were to tell me that that, um, Minot is going to play Grand Falls
2: in North Dakota High School football. Uh, oh, I was going to ask you about Butte versus Missoula in Montana. But we'll,
1: a, we'll go with try South Dakota. We
2: tried the record book. <laughs> the record book. Oh, goodness. Anyway. Hey, see, yeah,
1: there'll be some. There'll be some.
2: Yeah. Um, so, you
1: know, we just. It, you made me laugh, but we, when you talked about park, because it reminded me of. This weekend, and, you know, right now, we're just going to keep whacking until, you know, it, we either reach the green or we're behind
2: that tree, you know, like Justin yeah. was. But, yeah. You know, you we do know. have, we still have pro golf, so we can cling to that again this yeah, weekend with Tiger a, coming that, back.
1: Yeah, that's, you know, and they've done a great job with it. And, and mm-hmm. I, I'm... I've adjusted pretty quickly to the no crowd. Now, yeah, yeah, I will be perfectly honest. If i would I have liked to have seen a crowd reaction on the first playoff hole Sunday when those Justin two putts, a and Merikawa hit the twenty four footer?
2: Yeah. yeah, that crowd. Was that, that was crazy. great theater with no one in the. It theater. really was. It would have been great with a live audience. But beyond that, I'm still not missing the guy one bit no i don't miss him or uh in the whole guy or you the man guy or any of those <laughs> guys i think i'm good without him
0: no,
1: he's at home though the, the wife making a casserole <laughs> he's a man
2: yeah yeah you got you got his poor kids with ptsd <laughs> you know from it at this point having to get therapy yeah. Hey, Cecil, we got to get yep. out of here, but as always, great stuff, my man. We always appreciate it. All right, it. sorry to ramble on. No, it's always good. Good stuff. Appreciate it. Huh? There he goes, Cecil Hurt, sports editor and columnist for the Tuscaloosa News. I hear the music playing. We're going to go ahead and combine some breaks and get on out of here a little bit early on this Wednesday, but it was a lot of fun with Cecil Hurt. Enjoyed talking with Cecil, and uh, Joe Gaither, as always, doing a A great job producing the program as well. The Lunch Whistle on this Wednesday. Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Get by there today. Try the great plate lunch specials that they have each and every day. They'll also throw some Black and Mahi tacos at you from time to time. So ask about those. Check out those on the specials board at Southern Ale House, 1530. McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. That's going to do it till 11 a.m. on Thursday. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, everybody.